Good morning. Thank you. Uh, I'm Jim Melko, and um, I'm uh, uh, part of our Lakes Free Missions team. And uh, I want to introduce our speaker this morning. Many of you already know him. But uh, before I do, I just want to acknowledge a couple people here today. And I wonder if uh, Paul and Kathy Baum, if you wouldn't mind standing for a minute. Uh, Paul and Kathy are missionaries that we have supported for over 30 years. They have been in Germany for 35 or more more years working with Turkish Muslims. And uh, they have some amazing things they could share with you. But uh, they're coming to the end of their service, and these are truly uh, faithful servants of the Lord. So I thought we'd give them a hand. Uh, And they're going to be speaking in the ambassadors, uh, ABF, the second hour, but... uh, Anyway, they're heroes of the faith in my eyes. So uh, you've probably heard Jason share with you that, you know, our church, uh, we support 30-some missionaries and uh, organizations. And uh, one of the things that our, uh, our mission team has kind of been uh, kind of thinking about this last year is how can we raise the awareness of our missionaries within the church. You know, there's so many great things happening, and how can we, how can we do that? Well, about three weeks ago or three or four weeks ago, we invited uh, Ron Burgett here to come and speak uh, at a couple of our ABFs. And afterwards, the missions team, we all went out to have lunch together, and Ron uh, continued to share. And it was such a powerful message, you know, and a lot of it had to do with completing the Great Commission. And we was thinking... This would be so great to be able to share with the whole congregation, but when can this ever happen? Well, fortunately, uh, anyway. <laughs> you have to re- I would rephrase that, unfortunately. Uh, so on Friday, or as God would have it. <laughs> so we call Ron on Friday afternoon and say, hey. How would you like to come up and uh, share this message on Sunday? And uh, he said he would. And so today, Ron and his wife Karen are here. And uh, for those of you who do not know Ron, he was our associate pastor of adult ministries and missions here back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And he has was instrumental in really establishing a lot of uh, what our mission policy and philosophy is. And uh, he went on to be a senior pastor at a church in Alexandria. And, but during that whole time, he has been working with TNET, uh, TNET International. It's, it's, it has to do with pastoral training. And uh, he's been working in Southeast Asia and India. And so uh, here he is. Yeah, uh, Jim and I and lots of people here, we, we go way back, and we, uh, we went, we've been to battle together for the kingdom, and uh, those people you've been in the foxholes with become deep, deep friends, and so we have wonderful, warm, uh, deep feelings for 
so many people in this congregation. My eyes keep stopping in different places. I don't mean to miss you. There's a lot of, there's a lot of it here, so it's wonderful just to be back and to share with you this morning. I got the call yesterday to uh, preach today, and so our motto in seminary was preach, pray, or die in a moment's notice, so here I am. And uh, I have changed that motto in my travels to India and Thailand to preach prayer diarrhea uh, in a moment's notice. <laughs> God, is, God has not called me to die for the faith, but frequently that third thing, uh, that has been my suffering for the kingdom. And so, uh, unfortunately, I haven't had it happen in the last year because of COVID, so I put on an extra 10 pounds. It's been a really quite effective weight control program that I, I kind of rotate through every so often as we go on trips. Um, uh, so I want to, as your missionary, thank you. You guys are awesome. Uh, the support that you give to, uh, to me, to Gowan Chur, my coworkers, David Dury, all of us that are involved with TNET, uh, your, your support is incredible and very much appreciated. And you, you really are an anchor to what we do with, the, with our, our mission, our ministry. So what, what TNET is about, and I'll try to do it really quick, we're trying to help finish the Great Commission in our lifetime, and we're, our approach to that is through the local church around the world, equipping uh, pastors in local churches around the world. So we have a process of training pastors. We've got 10 courses. We deliver them over three years. At the middle of their training, they're supposed to go start training centers for others, so it multiplies. In Africa, we have 12,000 students in Asia, it's under 2,000 students. But based on the trajectory that we're on now, we should be at 100,000 students in five or six or seven years, depending on riots and COVID and uh, government overthrow and all those things kind of throw a wrench in the works. Uh, now, I don't, I, it's hard for me to, I don't know what we're going to run into. That's just the trajectory we're on. Uh, it's multiplying and it's growing very rapidly in many places around the world. We're in 40 countries. Our goal is to be in every country in the world. And our approach is to work with the existing church, to take that institutionalized church that's everywhere around the world. Really, I mean, the gospel has established beachheads in, in many, many corners of the world. Oh, every country but the church in a lot of places is sitting on its hands. It's not moving. It, and they basically just don't know what to do. And so our training is to go in, encourage, equip, train, and help these pastors know what to do to move the, the ball forward in finishing the Great Commission. Plant churches. Be missionaries. Raise support and money. And, and complete the task that lays before us. Uh, so I am here to suggest to you today that we are the generation that should finish the Great Commission. We have been working at the Great Commission for some 2,000 years, and it is now time in our generation, and if, if not like my generation, that certainly, you know, these guys, their generation, uh, before they pass, this task should be finished. We are getting close to this. So this is my outline that I want to cover with you this morning. First of all, what is the Great Commission, and how would you know when it was finished? And then, you know, take a look at how we're doing at that. How much progress have we made so far? And then uh, what is the difference between working at it versus finishing it? What do we mean by that? Uh, what's the significance of that? So let's start with what is the Great Commission? I think most of you should know this. I saw some meme on Facebook 
that they did a survey of Christians and some 50% of the people they asked didn't know what it was. So that's, if that's true, that's awful because uh, these are the, the marching orders of Jesus. This is, this is what Jesus told us to do, and we must know this. And so let's just review it. Um, the, it's the church's mission statement. It's, it's your personal mission statement for your life. That's uh, the reason why when you were saved, you just didn't go straight to heaven. Uh, it's, you know, the reason we were created is to glorify God. And that's what we're going to be doing in heaven forever. But the reason why we're on planet earth is to make sure that this message of reconciliation between the creator that deserves our worship is communicated to everybody on planet earth. It's about this mission of redemption of, of God. He wants his people back. Anybody remember that phrase? God wants his people back. And so we are engaged in a mission of bringing a good news message to every human being on planet earth. That's what we're for. So I think most of you have heard Piper's statement on this. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Because people aren't worshiping God, we have a mission to bring a, a message of reconciliation and redemption to all of these people all over planet Earth that are separated from him. So that's our mission. Now, um, mission drift happens. Churches are planted with the vision to be on task with this mission to finish the Great Commission, but we drift, and it's constant. And you, ha it's, you have to be uh, diligent always. It's constant. Every church is constantly folding in on itself, pulling in a, a kind of circle the wagons kind of thing and focusing in on one another, caring for one another, kind of, you know, studying the Bible, all of which is very good, but it's just not our mission. It's, it's, it's part of what we do because we're disciples of Jesus, but it's, it's not why we're here. It's, it's not our, our mission while we're on planet Earth. Our mission is out there to the people that surround us in our own county and around the world. And so there are two passages that make this crystal clear. The first is Acts 1.8. We'll start with this. Um, Acts 1.8 uh, gives us sort of concentric circles of expansion. And it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so there in the book of Acts, they start out in Jerusalem. And as Jesus' last words before he enters into heaven, as he leaves us, these are the last words. This is what he expects us to do. You start right here where you're at, and you make sure everybody right here knows about him. And then you make sure that the people that are down the road uh, in Samaria that are a little different than you, they know about him. And then you, you keep moving it out until you go to the very remotest parts of the world to bring this gospel. And so uh, you've got Lindstrom, and uh, you've got all of the, the people that look like this around you. Uh, but there are people that are close by that look different than you. And so you need to uh, evangelize Lindstrom, but you also need to plant churches around you. 
and you just keep doing that until the entire world is filled with the church of Jesus Christ and everybody gets a chance to hear. Matthew 28 um, says, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so that one every Christian should memorize. Uh, that's the statement of our mission. We are to make disciples, not just converts. Our, our job is not just simply to go in, do a crusade, have 20,000 people come forward uh, to receive Christ, have some healing, and then go home, and you come back a year later, and nothing has changed in the area. That's not the mission. The mission is to make disciples of Jesus. And so it requires a church that knows how to make disciples and what a disciple looks like. And we're, we're to be raising up soldiers for God's army to bring this message to a lost world. And so we are to make disciples and we are to baptize them. That's the evangelism part. We are to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's the discipleship part. What is it? What is all that Jesus taught? That's what we should be teaching in the church. So yes, it is right for the church to be teaching and, and uh, equipping and training the people within the walls, within the, the, the bounds of the, of the community of believers that is the church. But to what end? For what purpose? So that we grow up to be worshipers of Jesus, but while we're here on earth, the purpose is so that we are building an army that will go beyond the walls of the church to bring the message to those who do not know about him. Let me ask you a question. Is there a single soul in Chisago County that does not understand the gospel? And if there is one, that's on you. What possible excuse could there be in Chisago County, given the number of churches and Christians that we have, what possible explanation could there be that there is one soul here that does not understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not okay. That's your job. That's your mission. It, 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 you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And if there's one, why in the world would you let that happen? Now, I got to ask myself, I was asking myself that same question where we were at in Alexandria. And right in the middle of that, we were wrestling with that question, how do we get the gospel out when God called me to leave that church and do this? Uh, but I think that's the right question that every church and every Christian has to ask themselves. All over the world, we have to stay on this. We got to bang ourselves in the head because we drift off it. So finishing the Great Commission requires going in the church, we tell people, come. And it's okay to do that. That's good. There's a lot of people that will come. We, we make attractive churches. We put on attractive programming so that when people come, they're not distracted by the goof-ups. Right? I mean, I, you know, I've been the cause of lots of those in a church service where it was like a cringe moment because the pastor or the slides or something was really dumb. Uh, and it's embarrassing and when visitors come that are seeking Jesus, they're not thinking about him. They're thinking about the dumb stuff we're doing up here. 
So yeah, we ought to do that better. That's absolutely right. But that's not enough. That's not, that's not what Jesus... He didn't say, you know, create a nice place and invite people to come. And it's good to do that. Don't get me wrong. But that's not enough. The mission is go. The mission is to you to go. You, not the pastor, not the staff, not the evangelist. It's to you, that shy, awkward, introverted, fearful person who doesn't really know for sure what to say or how to do it, that you have a big, long list of excuses why you can't be that person. You're the one. You're the one that Jesus picked. That's why he picked you. He likes that. He likes people like that. I mean, look, here, why would I be up here if that weren't the case? He likes the awkward, you know, ungifted person who struggles with sharing that message out there with somebody because he would need to be the power that would make it happen. But you would never find that out if you don't go. If out of fear you sit at home and you don't go, you will not find out about that power. You will never discover what he can do through you. And so we need to go. We need to go out of these buildings, out into our community, and make absolutely certain there is not one soul left. That goes to zero, right? It's not going up. It's going down, right, that message? Okay, good. I'm good. (laughs) So it's this issue of attractional versus missional. Those are kind of key words. Most churches in the world because they followed the model in the United States, are established as attractional churches. We we set up our ministry to cause people to come. It's attractional. That's the whole focus of what we do. Nothing wrong with that. Very good. Very important to do that well. Absolutely. But if we do that, and we're not being missional to go, thinking, putting as much effort and time and money and thought and strategy as we put into the buildings and the programming and the things that happen in here, it should be equal and and actually double that to think about how could we go so that every single person in Chisago County, we have made absolutely certain that every kid that's born in this county until Jesus comes back before he leaves this county has heard about Jesus Christ. Every single adult that moves in, every family that lives here. We think long and hard and we strategize and we think, how could we make that happen? That's missional thinking. And we've got to do more of it in the world today in the church. Now, the next one gives me goosebumps Matthew 24, another uh, proclamation of the Great Commission. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And folks, we really are close to this. If, yeah, I've never been much for the this is that stuff from the book of Revelations when we people look at the prophecies of Revelation and they say it's going on today as a sign of the end. I've, I've always, I, I got into that when I was a younger Christian and as I matured I thought we ought to be more careful about this. 
But I would say that is different. When Jesus said that when we finish his mission, and then the end will come, and I look and I see the progress toward that end, and then you look at what's going on in the world today, um, again, I get, that gives me goosebumps. And then the other thing I've noticed in this process of call to this ministry, it's a ministry that's, that's focused on finishing the Great Commission in our lifetime. And I get involved and I travel all over Asia. I've seen what God's doing in lots of places. It's been a really neat opportunity to talk to people on the front lines of the advance of the gospel in the world and to see the heart of God and what he's doing in those places. It's like, um, you know, I guess whatever the church wants to do, you know, we can do whatever, but I know what God is doing. He is doing this. He is... He is at work finishing this mission in the world today. So there's a, a, a people group in India called the Dalits. They're the, the poorest of the poor in India, the very bottom of their whole uh, uh, scheme there in Hinduism. And they're like the dirt under your feet. And so other parts of uh, the Hindu system, the, the Brahmin are the heads and they're the shoulders and they're the body, but the the, the Dalits are the, the very bottom. They're the dirt under the feet. They're barely human. And there's some 30 million of them in India. And every single one of them would come to faith in Jesus if we could figure out some kind of uh, uh, evangelism combine to bring in the harvest. You know, I mean, it's just they're, they, Hinduism has done nothing for them. They're totally open to Christ. Um, and I went to one of their churches, and I preached in it, and I asked them, how many of you in this church, there are about 100 people, how many of you were born Hindu? And every single one of them raised their hand. Um, and I asked a, a missionary, a, a, a guy from India who, who ministered amongst them. Uh, they were telling me their stories about healing and miracles that go on with the, the Dalits. And so I asked him about, well, how often do you see God answer prayers for healing among them? And he goes, 100% of the time. And I go, no, that ain't right. Uh, no, he goes, it's 100% of the time. Just every time I pray for them to be healed, he heals them. And I go, well, look, you know, I believe in that. I believe that God will heal, and we, we've prayed for people, and you see God work in, in sometimes a miraculous way. More often than not, it's just kind of the best possible outcome from from medical help that they're getting. Uh, but to say 100% of the time was very skeptical. And then I asked him, well, you live in Chennai City. He was a Methodist pastor. He's not some crazy charismatic, by the way. He's a Methodist, uh, a Methodist pastor who lived in Chennai. And he said, well, what's it like when you pray for people in your church in, in town here? Yeah, you know, sometimes it, it works. But with them out there on the front lines of the gospel where there are 30 million of them that are ready to come to Christ, God is at work in a special way. And, and there's this thing. We think of the gospel as uh, it's about, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it deals with the guilt in us, right? That's the way we understand the gospel. I am guilty because of sin. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And he forgives me, and so I can be free of the guilt. And that's what we respond to in the gospel. But there's more to the gospel. The gospel's many-faceted. 
There is an aspect of the gospel, Christus Victor. Jesus raised victorious over sin, Satan, and death, and he defeats the devil every single time. And if you come and you put your faith in Jesus and you are being harassed by demonic spirits, he will deliver you. And you're afraid of them. And there's no other answer. Nobody's ever found an answer to this fear. You have to pay them off. You, gotta, you have to pay homage to them. You've got to worship them or they'll harass you. They'll make your life miserable. But Jesus delivers every time. And so if you want an understanding why a million Hmong people have come to faith in Jesus Christ over the last two decades, it's because of that aspect of the gospel. I just spent Thursday night with Chur and I going through the steps to freedom with a Hmong woman who her parents, her grandparents, they were all shamans as far back as they know, and it was now her turn, and the, shaman, the shamanistic spirit was knocking on her door saying, we want you next. And she was terrified. Uh, She wanted nothing to do with it. And so she turned to her sister who had become a Christian and uh, asked for deliverance, and she's come to faith in Christ, and she's found victory over uh, this powerful ancestral spirit that would want to demand her life. But now she's free of it. Now that's why People come to Jesus by the thousands around the world because his gospel is powerful over sin, yes, forgiveness, Satan, yes, from the fear, and death, healing, yes, and then also shame, a lot of shame-based cultures in the world, uh, and the gospel delivers from shame. You get a new name when you come to Jesus and all the shame of the past is put away. And so the gospel speaks into the, the, the pain and the hurt of the lost of the world and it delivers them. And the resurrected Jesus is as alive today and as powerfully working as he was 2,000 years ago when Thomas stuck his fingers in the hole in his hand. That same Jesus is marching in this world and he is at at work in people's lives. Now it's clear that the Great Commission wait a minute back up no, so it's clear that the Great Commission um, involves all the ethnicities of the world Matthew 28 said all nations Uh, that, that phrase Go therefore into all the nations. That's panta ethna is the Greek word. You've all heard this before. All the ethnicities, all the people groups, uh, all the nations. But it's, it's also there in Revelations 5, 9 and 10, where it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And so uh, God is, this mission is God wants all of the people, all of his people back. And that gospel is going out into every corner. So I just had a taste of this uh, earlier this year. We, we couldn't do our Singapore summit. We, we've done a TNET summit in Singapore and we did it uh, by Zoom the other day. And so we got this, there's another whole screen like that. 
And uh, the people up there, those are Filipinos, Nepalese, people from India, Sri Lanka, Myanmar, Thailand, Singapore, Indonesia. There are others uh, from Laos, Vietnam, Pakistan, China. God's got his people in beachheads in every country of the world. Uh, that's what heaven looks like. It's like this multifaceted, all languages and peoples. That's what God wants to say. Um, and um, our new South Asia director, his name is uh, Wesley George. Uh, he has connections in Bhutan. And so, you know, we want to take TNET to every nation in the world. And I always thought like places like Bhutan, you know, that's kind of like the 220th country we'd ever get to because it's so remote uh, there are Christians there, and uh, there's already a beachhead there, and we probably will start working training pastors in Bhutan uh, sometime in the next few years, and so everywhere. And then the last one is that it's every person. Second um, Peter 3, you see the heart of God. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So in the context of this passage that, that talks about you know, the, uh, the end times, uh, the, the, the grand picture of God's work on planet earth, he says this thing that relates to the great commission. He does not wish that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I think God's heart is that every person would have a chance to know. Now we know that every person will not embrace God. You read the book of Revelation, you see the end story, and you know that's not the way it ends. There are millions that are still in rebellion against him, at the end of time. Uh, but he wants them all to have a chance to hear. So that brings us to this question, well, how would we know when the Great Commission is finished? How would you define it? And so um, it could be that it would be like in every country. Well, that's already happened. We, I think we've got the gospel, some witness in every country in the world. Even the Maldives where there's really no church but there's a handful of Christians that are there. I mean, there are believers. There's a beachhead in every country. Uh, what about the Bible translated in every language? And I would think that would be very important. And we are extremely close to that. We're down to like 95% of the languages are complete. And what's left are generally uh, fairly minor. And number three, um, a witness in every people group. Um, and so, yes, we're even getting very close to that. So, the, the, you know, it's very clear. It's all the peoples. And so that might be enough that everyone, uh, every people group would be represented before God. Um, and we are getting, we're down to like about 3,000 people groups left to go. Uh, Rick Warren has been talking about this. He's leading a group called Finish the Task. And uh, this... Um, organization is focusing on what it would take to finish the Great Commission. And he has suggested, and I think he is defining it from the standpoint of every people group to have a witness that we look at the year 2033. That's 
2,000 years after the resurrection of Jesus, which is coming up uh, in 2033, we should set that as sort of a target date, something to shoot for. And it is entirely possible that from the standpoint of this every people group uh, uh, definition, that it could be done by that time. Uh, what finish the Great Commission really means, I think only God knows. Jesus said only the Father knows that date and time. And so I think that only God knows exactly what he means by finish the Great Commission. But we in TNET have taken a shot at it that we think what it would, would, should include whatever it might be. It even includes that every person aspect. And so we shoot for one church of 100 in every a pocket of 1,000. So that's like 10% of a community so that every Christian can tell 10 others about Jesus. And in that way, every nation, every people group, every tribe, every tongue, and every person gets to hear about Jesus before he returns. So that's our target, to put a, a church of 100 in every pocket of 1,000 the world over. And so it's about church planting. And then when you're planted... Think about your assignment. Your one, where's your ten? And have you found those that have not heard and have you made sure that they understand the gospel? That's the application for you in this local area. So the, somewhere in there, God understands what it is that the Great Commission can be finished. Now how are we doing? What's this progress look like? Uh, we got 2.2 billion in Christendom, the sort of Christians in name only, um, and that's growing about the same pace as the population of the world. There are 700,000 evangelical Christians in the world like us, and that's about 10%, and isn't that interesting? That we're, we're kind of at that one person to 10, but the problem with that is that we're kind of lumped up in some places, and there are big spots out there that are very empty, and so I've got this uh, young man that's in our training in Maharashtra province, India, and we gave him this training about a church of 100 in every pocket of 1,000. So he pulled out his map, and he got, did some research on Maharashtra, and he figured about all the villages and the places, and he came to the conclusion they needed 130,000 more churches in their province to finish the Great Commission there, the millions of people there. Uh, so there's some pockets that are they're huge. But you know what? With this guy, Nelson, I mean, he's not really blinking an eye. He's like, okay, big job. Let's get at it. Let's do this. And so they're training and equipping, and they're planning to like, just start planting churches. Let's, let's plug them in there. Let's go. Uh, so we have the, the right number um, but in terms of getting them to the right place. But this is what Piper wrote about this. We should, he said, we should be dumbfounded at how doable the remaining task of world missions is. Um, and he says uh, that there, he's, he's saying there's about 3,100 people groups that really are totally unengaged. But he said, consider these numbers, and this is, this is like a decade old. It's much, much easier now, I think. There are 44,000 Christian denominations in the world. That's 14 for every unengaged people group. 700 million evangelical Christians. That's 225,000 for every unengaged people group. 
four and a half million Christian congregations. That's 1,451 congregations for every unengaged people group. There are 4,900 Christian foreign mission sending agencies. That's 1.5 agencies for every unengaged people group. It's not for lack of resources. And if you look at the pooled financial resources of these 700 million evangelical Christians, many of which are in the West, we are an extremely wealthy movement. We have incredible technology. We've got all kinds of resources, statisticians and strategists and missiologists and all kinds of people. You know, so what's the holdup? I think it's the will do we have the will to do this? Are we, are we really ready to go finish this? Uh, I have a, another handout, and I would suggest uh, look up status of world evangelization. Uh, they put it out every year. Um, but it, there's about 2.2 billion people where there's virtually no exposure in the world. That, that's kind of the remaining task of the over 7 billion people in the world. Um, and the, the places where there, there are the, the biggest untouched pockets. It's India, China, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Nepal. It's kind of that part of where I'm involved with TNET. That's that 1040 window. That's the part of the world where there are these massive places uh, that, that, uh, that need, to, need attention. Okay, um, next one, and then there will be a blank, and then the next one. So here's the question. Are we working at it or are we uh, ready to finish it? So here's, here's the difference. This dawned on me the other day. We were working on my son David. They, he and his wife got a, a fixer-upper house in Kensington, Minnesota. And we needed to paint the inside. They hadn't lived in it yet. Uh, people that were in it before were smokers and the walls were just covered with that stuff. So we needed to, to paint it with that special paint and we were, they were living with us, and we were working on it, getting that paint job done. And so we'd talk about it, and we'd measure it, and we'd figure out how much paint we needed. And there was lots of discussions, and you'd buy a little something now, a little something later. And you'd go in there, and we scrubbed and cleaned. And there were a lot of things that were going on over the course of the summer. But there came a point when we decided, you know, it's time to finish this. And so that week, we decided on Friday, we're going to finish this. And there's a complete change of attitude, you know, right? When you get a project and you move from working at it to deciding you're going to finish it, you just, you just kick it in gear. Uh, it's just different. There's not, you know, it doesn't matter what's in the way. You move it out of the way and you get this thing done. And so we, we got some help. We went to, found the, the store and we rented the equipment. That day came that was the day to finish it. Halfway through the day, we ran out of paint. It didn't matter. Money was no object at this point. We were going to finish this. So uh, the father-in-law, dad, you know, so I'll do it. And I run into town and I buy another five gallons of paint and we come back. Didn't matter. We were going to finish this task because it was time. And that's the kind of day we live in today. For 2,000 years, we've had a working at it attitude. It's different now. This is the time to finish it. And we have to have a finish it attitude to be missional, to go, to be actively thinking, where is this job not done? 
And what is it going to take? Money, people, resources? We have to have a radical attitude to be ready to do what we need to do to finish this. So what does going look like? And, you know, in TNET, we have, this is a strategy. Uh, we, we gather together churches, we tr- equip churches, and we tell them, pull together your, your key leaders, and we get them in a basic discipleship group, and they pray. We encourage them to engage the world. And then they find, we look, they're in a discovery Bible study, being discipled. So you got to be a disciple to make disciples. So you get disciple, you're growing as a disciple, but it's a disciple that's engaged in the world. And they look for persons of peace. And this is the coolest thing. Do you know what? All over the world, God has had for 2,000 years, they were there in the New Testament, the woman at the well, she was a person of peace. She was a person prepared by God, used by Jesus. Jesus met her, and then what did she do? Somehow she had an influence in that community, and when she told them about Jesus, they all listened, and they all came with her to learn more. God's got people like that all over the world, and all of these pockets that are unreached. See, we look at that task, and it looks insurmountable and unbelievable, but you've got to understand, the creator God of the universe is there first. We're not doing this. We just, our job is to go. He's going to do the miracles. He's got the people ready for us, but they, we got to go. You want to, we're going to sit here on our hands. He can't use us. You got to step out in faith and go, and you will find that God has people. And I think even in America, I've seen a few of them. There was one here, a guy that I knew here, and as I learned about persons of peace, and I thought back about him, that man was a person of peace, and I had no idea what to do with him. And God gave, if, if I had known what to do with him, we could have had access into pretty much a huge part of the un, non-Christian community around uh, this city. And I, I didn't know who he was. And I, I, I found there's another one that I had in Alexandria. And I, I realized that when I did that man's funeral, he died young, that all of the people that were sitting in that congregation were the, the, the unsaved people of, of that town. Um, I didn't know what to do with him. And now I understand. But God's got persons of peace that will help us to bridge into all of these pockets. Uh, we lead, we, you know, we can start to do DBS Bible studies with them and, and the, the process of planting churches and you just keep, you start movements. This is, this is not addition type of stuff that needs to happen. How do you get 130,000 churches in Maharashtra? Well, it has to be a movement. It's got to, it's got to massively start to move out into that area. And so this is what, Finishing the Great Commission might look like in Sri Lanka. We, we uh, train the, the people in Sri Lanka. And uh, next slide. Um, uh, and so we got hundreds of pastors being trained there. And we gave them this vision to finish the Great Commission in their country. And they pulled out the map of their country. And their government has divided the country up into these little pockets of 2,000 people. Uh, neighborhoods and cities or communities in the rural areas. And <clears throat> so they laid it all out and, they, and, they're, and they're talking like, okay, your church is there, you put, you fill those pockets. Your church is here, you fill those pockets. And they are uh, uh, seriously saying, 
that we want to be the first country in the world to finish the Great Commission. They're dead serious about that. Uh, and they're, they're going after it. They're, they're not just working at it. They're working to finish it in their country. So finally, uh, just this story about what finishing the Great Commission looks like in terms of people. Uh, and so this next slide is this young man at the top. His name is Timothy. And that's his dad, Nelson, down below. They're from Nagpur, India, Maharashtra. That's that place I was just telling you about. And um, uh, Timothy came into our first generation training in India, and his English pronunciation is not very good, and I didn't understand him, and I didn't think he should be in our training. I just didn't think he was really ready for it. And uh, I, I completely missed it. He's, he's one of the finest human beings I've ever met on the planet. Um, unbelievably wonderful guy. He was uh, a child of eight in a single mom whose mom could not raise him. She couldn't handle it. So she gave him to a Baptist orphanage, and they raised him in, in India in that Baptist orphanage. And he is the purest, most wonderful soul that you've ever met. And he has raised a son that's just unbelievable. And so they are starting this process in their province of Maharashtra. So we were in training. Uh, we went up on one of our training sessions. We went out in the country into a retreat center way up in the mountains in India. And uh, uh, we had a couple of cooks that were cooking for us during the week. And one of them was a Muslim woman whose husband had died. And she still lived in the Muslim community and her sister is married to the Christian pastor that was in, in our training, and they were cooking for us. And when the end of the week came, we were all standing around, and, you know, they're talking. I don't understand most of what's going on most of the time because they're speaking all kinds of languages. And, but as they were talking, this Muslim woman, the tears were just streaming down her face as she was talking. And I pulled over to Timothy, you know, afterwards. They go, something pretty cool happened there. I don't know what it was, but what was going on? And he said, well, Ron, she was just talking about how she's never been loved by a group of men like this before. You know, we, we kidded with her. We treated her as an equal and, and just had fun with her that week and treated her nice. And uh, she was just moved by how loving everybody was of her. And, uh, and, you know, saying that she couldn't be a Jesus follower. She'd have... I think what she means is that she had to be a, a secret Jesus follower. She, was, she had to not tell anybody, but she would go back. But she just loved this week and what she learned about Jesus because she was a part of what we were doing. And then uh, Timothy turned to me and he said, you know what, Ron? He said... Um, he was talking about like her and him and people like that in India. And he said, this world has given us nothing. This world has given us nothing. Jesus has given me everything. And I would do anything for Jesus. And boy, that just struck me, you know, right between the eyes. Because this world has given me everything. I mean, I'm loaded with stuff. This world has blessed me with tons of stuff, everything. And so it's just kind of the opposite issue for us as Americans, right? We're just the opposite. This world has given us everything. 
And we struggle with doing everything for Jesus. For him, this world has given him nothing. And he would do everything for Jesus. So here's what I would leave you with. See, that's, our, that's how we give glory to God. Timothy gives glory to God because this world gave him nothing and he has found everything in Jesus. What a testimony to us. But what a testimony we can be. This world has given us everything. But if we still behave, act, believe that everything that really matters comes from Jesus and that we, we would give everything for Jesus the glory that we would give him when we stand before God and that that can be our testimony. That's, that's the world we're called to live in. That's what the challenge that's before us. And you think about that in the context of the mission and whatever cost that might be for you, the, the, real, the real struggle is this world has given us everything. It's really easy to just Slip into all that wonderful stuff and forget about the mission, forget about the struggle and all of the tough stuff that that involved because, you know, you can just slide under the covers, cover your head, blank it out, it's easy. Or will we be like him and give everything for Jesus? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we understand the mission. We understand and we're reminded of what it is you've asked us to do. And we're reminded also of uh, the struggle we have here in America. Uh, we're, we're good at attractional, but we're not good at missional. We're not good at going. Um, grant us grace. May your Holy Spirit teach and guide to help us know how to go. And then to be radical in our commitment to do whatever part you've called us to, to stay to where we would do everything for you and your mission in this world today for all of those lost people that you came to redeem, to deliver from fear and darkness and death and, and guilt, that we would stay available to you. Fill us with your spirit to that end, we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said... Amen. Thank you very much. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church. You can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free. And you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests. And we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage. And we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.